0: Welcome to Borrachex Radio. My uterus doesn't like do all of them. So, I can listen like to girls stop. talk there with me. Did I like I'm such a lady as T.S. She's meant um, to be a one. Who's talking it? Hey, confusing uh. times. Let's get it straight. <sighs> uh. Welcome back, borrachos y borrachas, to another episode of Borrachex Radio. So excited to have you guys listening in on this episode because it is a very, very good one. This week's guest is Jerry Perez, who is an advanced practice registered nurse, family nurse practitioner, board certified. Okay, she is amazing. I've known her for years, and I don't know why I didn't think of having her on here sooner, honestly, but just to give you guys a little recap about what we talk about, it we do talk about breast cancer since it is Breast Cancer Awareness Month. She teaches us a little bit how to self-examine, so... We do get into that. We also go ahead and talk about STDs, STIs, fertility. I know we're always constantly thinking about that, especially here in the Valley. It's something that's always been asked when are we having kids? So I'm not going to take too much of your time because I really want you guys to listen to this episode. So, Let's just bring out Jerry
1: Perez. Okay. So the first question, first of all, how are you doing? Today? I am doing fine. Today was like a great day. Mm-hmm. I was over in the Nolana Clinic, um, saw like quite a few patients over there. And then just getting ready to do some presentations tomorrow about breast cancer awareness. Oh, yeah, because it is yes. uh, Breast Cancer Awareness Month, right? Yes, ma'am. So I have to get my plug in there. <laughs> yes. So my plug is for every eight women that you know, mm-hmm. just visualize eight women that you know, one of those women will have cancer, some breast cancer sometime mm-hmm. in her life. So how, how do we get checked for that or... And then so really the biggest thing, just like with anything, Carla, is going to be like awareness, awareness of our bodies, awareness of our breasts. Um, You know, there's a very like formal technical breast exam that that can be taught. But really, it's kind of like knowing your body. Um, Is there something new or different? Is there like a lump or a bump that wasn't there before? Yeah, because I know there's
0: like the... um but where you check yourself before you, I guess, before you actually go and get like a professional,
1: how would you do that? Or what's like, yeah. So, so basically again, the recommendation used to be like a monthly breast exam Mm -hmm. and now they just recommend breast awareness. And that term breast awareness is like very vague. So I continue to, to encourage my patients to do like a monthly breast exam. Um, So basically what that consists of is, Getting naked, getting naked, and we're just going to stand in front of the mirror with our hands on our hips, and Mm -hmm. we're going to look at our breasts, Mm -hmm. you know, are they the same, are they different, the texture of the skin, how do the nipples look, right? Mm -hmm. We're going to bend forward, and we're going to let them hang down a little bit, we're going to do the same thing, and then stand back up, and then we're going to put one hand behind our head Mm -hmm. like we're stretching, and then with the other hand, we're going to take it over to the breast and I always like to tell my patients, think of the breast like a pie. Mm-hmm. So what we're going to do, we're going to start in the middle of the pie, and we're going to do each piece on so the middle of the pie. We're going to walk our fingers all the way up, mm-hmm. right, up into the armpit, walk the fingers back to the center of the breast, and just go all the way around. And you want to make sure the breast, right, when you do each little piece of the pie, mm-hmm. like you're either going into the breastbone, you're going up, underneath the collarbone, above mm-hmm. the collarbone, well into um, the armpit as well. So so you're gonna do that standing and then you're gonna do it laying down. Oh. And then typically the best time of the month for women is gonna be after the period. Okay,
0: like how many days after? T-
1: yeah, the- so, so like typically, you know, five to seven days after you start your, your menses, your bleeding, right, mm-hmm. um, would be like a good time. And the reason is to further complicate things about breast cancer, right? <laughs> uh, we can have normal lumps and bumps in the breast. Okay. You know, it's like crazy. Mm-hmm. So normal, so the normal lumps and bumps are going to be lumps and bumps in the breast, that change throughout your period. Mm-hmm. So you're gonna notice you your, your period's over, the, the the lump is it's smaller, or it's gone away, you know, your breasts are now non-tender. Yeah. And then as you get closer to your period You can start feeling these lumps and bumps. They're feeling achy, and then you and so these lumps and bumps can be called like fibrocystic changes. Mm -hmm. You know, they used to call it fibrocystic breast disease. I hate that because it's not a disease. Yeah, I was like, it sounds so scary. It's not a disease. (laughs) That's your anatomy. That's our anatomy. And some of us, our anatomy is very sensitive to the hormones of our period. Mm our um our breast tissue can be very um sensitive to caffeine right yes we're <laughs> like, like we're both looking at our, <laughs> at our coffee and our tea or whatever she's got going yeah, on yeah, over I've there in here too. yeah um so but those lumps and bumps feel feel different so it's usually in the upper outer quadrant of the breast uh-huh. right and then so, and it almost can remember the the old erasers in school. Like you would have to get like the big erasers, mm-hmm. right? The and pink ones. Yeah, the big oh. the big pink ones. Yeah. And then so they actually they can be that size, and they feel firm but rubbery. You can kind of like move it around a little bit, right? Uh-huh. And then after your period comes, it very much diminishes, uh-huh. right?
0: And that's like that's a normal. And one. that's
1: a normal. So let me give you an example of something that would be abnormal. Okay. So I like to think of it, you know, and of, of course there's a variation. This is not like 100% everything. But an example would be it feels like you have a bean stuck under your skin. Mm-hmm. Um, you cannot move it around. Okay. And it's like there is literally a pinto bean stuck under your skin. It feels very firm. Mm-hmm. It has well-defined borders, and you cannot move it. It doesn't change with your period. It stays the same, mm-hmm. and it's non-tender. It doesn't hurt, because remember we talked about the normal lumps and bumps of yeah. the breast. They're they're uncomfortable. Some 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 women <laughs> find it downright. You know, yeah,
0: it bothers them. Yeah,
1: some people find it not very bearable. Right, with that time of the month. Yeah. Um. So anytime we have discharge from the nipples, and we haven't had a baby recently, mm-hmm. we're not breastfeeding. Um, that needs to be checked out, any discharge from the nipples. What? Actually, there are some different, there's different, there's certain medications that can make you produce breast milk. Mm-hmm. Um, smoking, smoking marijuana can make some people produce breast milk. Wow. Right? Even guys in what? some cases. Crazy. Wow, that's so crazy. I know, I crazy. I didn't crazy. know that. Crazy, crazy. <laughs> you know, so, but then also there's kind of like the scary things about um, some type of, You know, intraductal carcinoma of the breast or some, um, Mm -hmm. you know, something wrong with your pituitary gland that's interrupting, like, the hormone flow. Mm -hmm. Um, So, but I have to tell you, the majority of people that do present with that is something benign, and that's just a fancy word, innocent, right? (laughs) For one of those other reasons. So,
0: the the ones that aren't
1: normal, do they... It's anywhere on the breast, or is it a yeah. certain area? It's it's anywhere on the breast. Absolutely, you're totally right. Mm-hmm. But if you ever read about breast cancer, they like to say that most breast cancers is going to be found in the tail of sphinx. You're like, what the heck is that? <laughs> so the tail of sphinx, so we have our breast, mm-hmm. and then we have this, like... I, I, like, a fat oh, pad. yeah, you know, the fat pad that goes from from your, the top of your it, breast up to your up to your shoulder. Yeah, that right there is a the tail of sphinx. So that's why it's just not about the breast. It's about all the tissue up into the armpit, the collarbone. Okay. right mm-hmm. everywhere. So they say like a lot of the breast cancer is in that little fat pad called the tail of sphinx okay wow i did it Crunch. yeah TMI, because, girl, TMI. no 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 no.
0: no. It, there's no such thing as I tmi know, I, know. I say that all the time yeah. like here yeah. anything goes so you are a nurse practitioner for yes. gyne- gynecology right yes
1: so so let me give you my proper credentials go ahead yes please so my pro- i'm an advanced practice registered nurse family nurse practitioner board certified mm-hmm. omg we finally right. got a professional on nah, here no, 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 it's just you know when you're when you've been um, around for a while you've been old enough you start to accumulate you know so degrees. many honors you know and it's an honor to do this work carla mm-hmm. let me tell you it's an honor so prior to going to school i have Um, you know, like 25 plus years of nursing experience uh, as a registered nurse. And the majority of that was in the inpatient obstetrics. So basically taking care of pregnant women, helping them have their babies, taking care of them after they had their babies, circulating C-sections, all kinds of like really cool things. So I decided Hmm. I wanted to go back to school because I wanted to be able to do more for my patients. Mm -hmm. And I really was thinking about midwifery at the time. Um, wow, I know oh, that's I, is that, that's not very common here in the valley. Exactly, Miss Carla. and that's part <laughs> of the reason why I didn't choose that. Mm-hmm. That's, and and I'm glad that I did choose family practice because I can take care of anybody, you know, a three month old with fever, to a 90 year old male with a broken hip. So or, you're
0: not just taking care of women. You're also taking your, it's anybody.
1: So, so good. So by my degree, that my degree allows me to do that. But because of my years experience as an inpatient obstetrical nurse taking Mm -hmm. care of pregnant women, I have that um, clinical experience to, to allow my scope to work for an Mm OBGYN. And so Dr. Alejandro Tay, I've known him since, I don't know, 1997, 1998. Um, So I... You know, I can really, I have choices as to mm-hmm. where I can work, and I choose to work for him yeah. because he's a quality individual all the way around. Mm-hmm. So right now you are working for, what
0: was his name again? Dr. Alejandro Tay. Okay, so he is a gynecologist. What is a gynecologist overall? Like, what do they do? Yes,
1: so typically a gynecologist. So it's usually an obstetrician and gynecologist. They go hand in hand. So obviously the the obstetrician, you know, taking care of pregnant women. Mm -hmm. And a gynecologist is someone that specializes in women's care. And then so when we really think about that, like women's care women's health Mm -hmm. you know what we're special girl (laughs) you know we're special and we need special people to take care of us because it's
0: it's in a little odd
1: how there's
0: like a doctor for just women and their needs but there's no there's not one for just men and their needs (laughs) yeah well you know actually
1: that is kind of changing that is kind of changing a little bit so there are um physicians that are kind of branching off and and specializing in men's care especially when we talk about um, you know, sexual performance. Mm-hmm. You, you I mean, that is really very important to men, as it should be, yeah. and just as important to women yeah. as well. You know, but women, we have our gynecologists that we can talk to about that, and yeah. guys, they really don't have anybody. But I feel like
0: women don't feel very comfortable talking about their performance in bed, like in as far as
1: that. That is that is a great question. That you yeah. are you are spot on, and then so me as a provider. Um, so say if someone comes in for like a well woman exam, Mm -hmm. um, basically like, what does that look like? She comes in. You know, we weigh her. We take her blood pressure. Um, The medical assistant will take her, like, review of systems, which Mm -hmm. basically, you know, any cough, you know, chest palpitations, blah, blah, blah. Her personal history, her family history. And then I go in and I'll review that. And so the first thing I say to them, is there anything new or different since your last well-woman exam? And so then I start out, you know, very basic. But then I do want to get to that. You know, is there... Um, You know, is there any pain during intercourse? You know, do you, is it hard for you to have an orgasm? Mm -hmm. Um, Is there anything you're concerned about, you know, with your sexual performance? Mm -hmm. Um, And so one thing that I notice is probably as women age, they have more of a comfort level talking about that. Yes, like, believe okay. it or not. So kind of like my heart's desire is to have that for for the younger women mm-hmm. as well. Yeah, Because that is, it is so important. Um, I just think for, you know, for women to know, you know, what is an orgasm? Yeah. What is an orgasm? And, you know, I've been sexually active for four years and I've never had that. Yeah. So I
0: had an episode where I talked about how I've never had an orgasm Mm -hmm. to this day still, but I never, I never went to go or I never talked to my doctor about it just because I didn't think it was something that maybe might be wrong with me. I just thought like, maybe it's my partner. (laughs) So what kind of things could possibly, is there something wrong or is Mm -hmm. it normal or, or for women not to experience orgasms or how do they, how do we fix that?
1: So, well, I guess, first of all, we have to look at a couple of things. First of all, kind of like the age of the woman, mm-hmm. her medical history. You know, is she diabetic? Um, is she on medications? Mm-hmm. Uh, we have to look at all of that. And have she ever been able to have an orgasm? Has she had them in the past and now she doesn't? Mm-hmm. Um, that, would, that would be like a consideration. Um, and the quality of the relationship that she's in, mm-hmm. right? You know, I know a lot of people, they come to me, and they're, you know, oh, well, my, you know, I, I must be going through menopause, you know, because I have no desire. Mm-hmm. And and so the, the main thing is, and I also say, you know what, men and women want the same thing. Yeah. But you know what, men and women work very differently, very, you know, obviously. Mm-hmm. So I always say, you know, for men to understand how women work, for women how to understand how men work. And I like to, I just like to use um, the analogy Uh, a woman is like a crock pot and a man is like a microwave, (laughs) right? Yeah. I mean, if you think about it, if you think about it, yeah, you got to make a meal, you can have it in 30 seconds, zap it in the microwave (laughs) or you can make a nice beef stew in the crock pot and it'll take about eight hours. So number one, it'll still get there. It'll still get there. (laughs) Now, which will taste better is is kind of like your opinion. Yeah. Right. And then so, and I think understanding the anatomy, um, So that's one thing that, that I do is trying to explain to a woman, you know, about, about her anatomy, because I think like a lot of times, like men will think, oh, it's, it's all about like penetration, Mm -hmm. right? It's all about penetration, but just really being aware of the female anatomy, um, you know, really, you know, there's a clitoris, mm-hmm. you know, there's the, the, the labias, the mm-hmm. labias minora, the smaller lips mm-hmm. are very sensual um, in the vagina. So kind of like I call it the interior third wall of the vagina. So what, what, what mm-hmm. is that? Right. So it's kind of like if you if you where the clitoris is, you go inside the vagina mm-hmm. and the, the vaginal wall kind of like right behind where the clitoris sits right, is very sensual. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's very, very important, number one, like I said before, the woman to understand her anatomy, what arouses her. Um, I personally think it's very important for a woman to, uh, can, I can speak very freely. Yeah, you about, can say anything you, know, yeah. anything you want. I think it's very important for a woman to, to experience an orgasm through masturbation, mm-hmm. you know, just so that she knows You know, okay, this is what it takes for me, because not every woman's gonna be the same. Those spots are gonna be very different on women. Yeah. So for them to know, okay, you know, through masturbation this is what makes me orgasm and then to be able to share that with her partner. Mm Mm-hmm. And I really think, you know, I'll tell you, you know, if I'm not knocking guys, right? (laughs) I mean, you know, like I'm a mom, I'm a wife, you know, I mean, and I, you know, I just, of course, men, we love men, Mm -hmm. right? But really, like men really need to understand female anatomy, Mm -hmm. you know, and I really think if, and I think, I think think a lot of men do, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to like knock anybody. I think a lot of men do. But again, realizing, you know what? You you understand the female anatomy, you understand what it takes to get your woman there, mm-hmm. right? And and the rewards back, you know, is is going to be very great, yeah. right? Right? Okay. So um, so I don't even know if I answered the question. <laughs> I went off on a tangent. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. It's completely okay. No, no. So bring me back to where I, we were I was were like, going. what was
0: my question too? Because I kind yeah. of just asked it.
1: Um, so I think about kind of like orgasm. Oh, yeah. How
0: that. do how do we, um, is there like, is it a bad thing that we can't orgasm? How do we fix that? And are, is there maybe like something where could it, it could be a reason why we need to go to the doctor? Maybe this can be, uh, what's the word? Like,
1: like a physical like, problem. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, exactly. Is it a physical problem? Mm-hmm. And then so typically if you have somebody that is like healthy, young, not on medications, I mean, the chances it, it you know, theoretically, it could be like a a physical problem. Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe some when we talk about like nerve conduction and blood flow, um, there's just like so much that goes into an orgasm. But if you if it was a physical problem, like orgasm perhaps would not be the only problem. Mm-hmm. So then we have to kind of like revisit as far as you know, what what are we doing as far as, you know, Mm self-exploration, you know? And even, you can tell I'm being a little prude, right? (laughs) But, you know, even when we talk about, um, like, sex toys, Mm -hmm. you know, we talk about, um, you know, and any sex therapist will tell you, you know, kind of like using pornography Mm -hmm. um, to, you know, for arousal, um, just kind of like looking at that circle of things, you know, and I would say, you know, if someone has not been able to achieve an orgasm and they have done like all of those things, mm-hmm. then I think then that's a very good time to go and see their their health care provider. OK. And does maybe like birth control affect a woman's ability to orgasm? So good question. Good. That, that's such a great question. I love that question. And you know why I Thank love you. that question? You know why I love that question? <laughs> Because I, girl, I don't remember what year it was. It was, like, in the in the 80s, early 90s. I was pregnant so much, it just was all such a blur, right? <laughs> um, So I remember one time being on the birth control pill, and my libido was horrible. I like, feel like women get on birth control and don't realize. And my libido, my libido was horrible. My sex drive, I was like, yeah. You know, because when I wasn't on, you know, the pill, I was, like, Ready. <laughs> So can I just revisit a thought that popped into go my ahead, head? Go ahead, Because we talk about libido, we mm-hmm. talk about being ready. Um, and I think women and men alike, and I'm sure everybody's figured it out, but in case they don't, yeah. I, I want to put it out there, is that there's a cycle with women. Men are always going to be ready. Mm-hmm. Men, they're stressed, they want to do it. <laughs> women, we're stressed, that's the last thing we want to yeah, do. Definitely. But you know, there's an ebb and flow to our libido, our sex drive throughout the month, mm-hmm. right? So, and I don't know if you've noticed this, but, you know, you finish your period, you know, and, you know, you're done, you know, the, the bleeding has stopped and, you know, and like you're feeling pretty good and, and maybe, like, about a week after, like, you finish your period, you are ready, girl. <laughs> like, your libido is high. You're just fe- yeah. feeling tingly, like, all the time, right? And so the thing with that is, like, you're, so you're ovulating. Mm-hmm. You know, you're ovulating. The egg is being released. Your hormones are high. Mother Nature is saying, hey, come and get me. Mm-hmm. And that's when usually women are, you know, they're the ones to seek out, right? Yeah. They're the ones to seek out. So then your libido is high. And that and that kind of will last I don't know, like everybody's different, but maybe like seven, seven, seven to 10 days. Yeah. Because there's like a whole process for ovulation and that during that process, your hormones are like, mm exactly. And then here comes like the period, you know, those like first few days, like before your period, like, don't touch me. I'm going to kill you type thing. Right. (laughs) I'm like that all the time, but
0: just last during ovulation.
1: (laughs) You know, so and then also, and, and I hope if if not this time, maybe if you have me back next time, I love talking about vaginal discharge, right? Oh. <laughs> you know, so, so, and the reason that I say that is, and I know I'm going off on tangents, no, so you're gonna to have to rein me. We in. need all of these
0: inf- we need every, all kinds of information. Go ahead.
1: But that so women, we're meant to have vaginal discharge mm-hmm. all the time. You know, if you're healthy, you're you're ovulating, you're having a period, you know, you're you're gonna have vaginal discharge. It's gonna be a clear discharge, you're always gonna be damp, right? Mm-hmm. Always. That's normal vaginal discharge. So then, here comes here comes like ovulation. So right before ovulation, all of a sudden we see, oh my god, there's this mucusy. Oh, and some people will say it looks like an earthworm. It looks because like mucus. Everybody it, has different. Yeah, so that mucusy, that mucusy discharge, and a lot of people who want to conceive will use that discharge as a sign that thick mucusy discharge, if they do have it, mm-hmm. right, as a sign that it's you know that they're they're ovulating. So, and that's nothing to be concerned about. Normal, normal, normal ovulation, mm-hmm. right? Normal. Yeah. And then so, like, types of discharge, and I think the majority of people know. I um, mean, anything that's thick and white, cottage, cheesy, itchy, mm-hmm. right? East infection. Not sexually transmitted, right? Mm-hmm. Um, just from being damp all the time. Like you're, you're working out, you don't change, it's hot out, you know. Sometimes we get like a full bladder and we're holding it, holding it, <laughs> holding it, and then we leak a little bit. So, so just to add to the normal dampness, it's already there. <laughs> I'm like laughing because it's like, this is so like honest.
0: <laughs> like, I know, oh, this it's is tr- like everything, like, yeah, it's I true. Get it. Yeah, it's
1: true, you know. And then, so then we have our friend, bacterial vaginosis. Mm-hmm. Doesn't that sound horrible? Yeah, I feel like anything that has like a scientific like ending, I know. it's like... So short, short for BV. So like, what is that? We have normal flora in the vagina, normal bacteria in the vagina. We got normal bacteria on our skin, normal bacteria in the vagina. But certain things we can do that we do that we think are innocent or that's helping us can actually change that 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 healthy level of bacteria and make it overgrow. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden we have this like thin white discharge that is a lot and it stinks, it smells (laughs) bad, right? And we're like, oh my God. So we wash, wash, wash. And then we, maybe we douche and then we get, we get, we get like these sprays and you're making it worse, making it worse, making it worse. Yeah, because douching isn't good for us. And you know what? And have y'all noticed douching is, you go buy a douche, it is cheap. It is dirt cheap. You know why? Because it is horrible it is awful don't do it don't buy it so don't why did do sh-
0: why would they even sell it if it's not even
1: well and because there's still a market for it there's uh-huh. still there's still a market for it you don't even see the commercials for it that you used to see but there is there there's a market for it yeah. you know and um as far as like vag- like what is it called washes like
0: for like your like women parts <laughs> yeah, i like never know like, watches, like you know? yeah like yeah. um what is it is <sighs> uh, uh yeah summer's eve yeah summer's eve, shower
1: yeah. gel yes, yes blah, blah, no blah, blah, do we should we use those so okay so so my thing is to me this is what i tell my patients you just have to wash down there once a day mm-hmm. okay just once a day because some people do more and they, then you have a chance of disrupting the normal flora mm-hmm. you just wash once a day and then you don't have to get anything fancy just something super gentle super mild Um, I recommend either the the ivory um, uh, bath bath soap, Mm -hmm. you know, kind of like the one in the little pump, either the ivory or the dove. And you just get that washcloth like nice and soapy, and just really get in there. Because sometimes you know we just like with our little loofah, mm-hmm. our little sponge thing, and we're just ooh, ooh, <laughs> real quick down there. And, you know, just now, a wipe. <laughs> yeah, but we just really you know with a with a clean, soft, soapy washcloth, we just really want to gently like get in there, right? And we know we always do front before we do back, mm-hmm. right? Very important. Um, and I always like to put that out there because there's going to be that, that there's going to be somebody out there that doesn't know that. And that's okay. Yeah. I feel like, yeah,
0: I feel like maybe these are maybe, um, super basic questions, but I feel like there's things that don't. people don't know I asked asked my friend I actually asked my friend I was like hey um I'm gonna have someone who works with a gynecologist what kind of questions do you think I should like and she's like what's a gynecologist I was like you have three kids I was like you have three kids and you don't know what a gynecologist is she's like oh I should have known that but those kinds of things just kind
1: of make me think like a lot of people don't know maybe the exact terms or don't know exactly so so like why would someone see a gynecologist Mm -hmm. right so let me tell you So first of all, annual well woman exam. Anyone over the age of 21, even if you're not sexually active, the recommendation is for you to have a pap smear. You're like, holy Toledo, Batman, what is a pap smear? Yeah, I was about to ask you. Mm -hmm. So the down and dirty of a pap smear. So, of course, it's like a head-to-toe physical examination, review of systems, looking at, you know, everything, right? You know, family history. You know, does she have, like, a family history of diabetes. So do I need to like kind of screen for that, talk mm-hmm. about lifestyle to minimize that risk? I mean, that's part of it. But you're interested in the actual like,
0: genitalia yeah. part.
1: <laughs> okay, so the first thing is we have like a special bed that has like stirrups, mm-hmm. right? So think of it, you're laying on a bed, but then you have these, I I like to call it the gas pedal and the brake, it kind of pulls out, right? Mm -hmm. So you got one foot on the gas, you got one foot on the brake, and then your bottom is right on the edge of the bed. Mm -hmm. And then I'm sitting on a stool and I'm right there Yeah, and I'm right. And you know, and it's, I mean, I just see it as looking in somebody's ear or looking in somebody's mouth. I mean... I mean, this is another like body part, right? Mm-hmm. But it's a special body part because this is the most intimate thing as as women, right? Mm-hmm. And that's why I feel so honored to do this work. So anyway, first thing: visual inspection, just a fancy way we're looking, just to see if anything lumps, bumps, lesions, blisters, like anything, right? And then, so then I'll actually separate the labias with gloved hands, you know, just kind of getting all the creases, make sure that there's nothing in there, right? Mm-hmm. And then I even, you know, kind of the opening into the vagina that everything appears normal. go down to the rectum, take a little peek down there and make sure there's no lumps, bumps, blisters, wart-like gross anything mm-hmm. right so then the next part is going to be putting the speculum into the vagina and that's the part everybody's afraid of yes. because they're scared that it's going to hurt or maybe it's a little uncomfortable yeah so so why do we have to put the speculum into mm-hmm. the vagina so the thing is like most menos you think like the vagina is like what it's like say say it's like 3 to 4 inches long mm-hmm. right so you so we have to see and get to the cervix okay so okay we've got the vagina and then we've got the cervix. The cervix looks just like the tip of our nose. Think of it like a little mini donut. We're never going to look donut. at people's noses the same. <laughs> I, know, I know a little tip, so the tip of your nose. And that's where that's where cancer and precancer cells live. Okay. That's where a chlamydial infection lives. So just putting the speculum in. So that's why women are encouraged to do pap smears, even be,
0: even if they're not sexually active. Correct. Because it's also going to be searching for cancer, anything that might be right, okay.
1: Right. So separating the vaginal walls with that instrument, now I can see the cervix. Mm -hmm. So I'm looking at it. I'm like, is there discharge? It looks like chlamydia. Mm -hmm. Is there any, we call it a lesion, but like, is there like a little sore that looks like it might be like something pre-cancer? So I'm looking at it. And then I'm going to put in a little, like we call it a little spatula, think of it like a little baby broom, a little baby broom, and it has like soft bristles. So I'm gonna put it in and I'm gonna to touch it to, the, to that cervix I'm gonna twist it to get cells. And, the, and that we send to the lab and that's looking for cancer, precancer looking for the human papillomavirus mm-hmm. in some instances, mm-hmm. um, looking for, like, chlamydia, gonorrhea. What
0: is uh, the human papillomavirus for people that don't know what it is?
1: Oh, I love it. I'm just, I, I'm, I'm loving this so much. <laughs> so let's talk about cervical cancer, yeah. okay? Cervical cancer, like, I'll hear somebody say, Oh, my grandma has cervical cancer. Mm -hmm. So I'm at increased risk for cervical cancer. No, cervical cancer is not genetic. It's not like breast cancer. Okay. Cervical cancer, 99.9% of cervical cancer is caused by the sexually transmitted virus called the human papillomavirus. Okay. So that's like the main thing right there. So cervical cancer kills it kills women women are dying from cervical cancer mm-hmm. cervical cancer can be eradicated in our lifetime with women getting pap smears okay, okay. but um are women the only ones that can uh, have the human HPV? Also, hpv right no sexually transmitted viruses it's sexual intercourse guys have it mm-hmm. so now now so let me like back up so now I don't know how many years, maybe the last 10 to 15 years, there's been an HPV immunization for young girls, Mm -hmm. okay? They used to say between the ages of like 9 and 16, now on certain instances, you can even get it up into the age of like 26, right? Mm -hmm. Depending on like your history and what's going on. So now, now that vaccination is now recommended, made available to young boys, yeah, because HPV is causing penile cancer mm-hmm. in our men. Because
0: HPV is um, very commonly like associated with cervical cancer, so we oh, immediately yeah, it, it think causes, it's for women. Yes. So, and I'm glad that like now we have like we have, I mean we have you to Aww, tell us that we yeah. like men do have it as well because yes. I don't want everybody to think this episode's just for, like, women. Like, there's so many things.
1: Oh, no. Oh, my God. I would (laughs) love. And guys, you know, give give Carla your questions. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. You know, because, and the thing is, you know, STIs are such a big deal. STI, what is it? Sexually transmitted infection or STD, I, I sexually feel like getting, transmitted disease.
0: I feel like I'm getting um, like quiz. I'm like, I know this answer. No. I know this one. Yeah. Yeah.
1: You know, so the thing is, is that guys, guys are at risk. And I hear this, I hear this like so many times. Oh, she looks clean. He looks clean. Mm-hmm. Oh, she smells good. Oh, he looks good. Look at what he's driving. I mean, it's, you know, there, if, if there's anything that comes from our talk tonight, is I really hope that the main take home is, you know what? Sexually transmitted infections does not discriminate. Mm-hmm. You do not have to be homeless out on the corner. You know what? Uh, I mean, that good-looking guy with his kicks and driving his Camaro, I mean, he probably is higher risk for giving you chlamydia mm-hmm. than the homeless guy on the corner. Wow. True that, mm-hmm. right? That's Yeah, I mean... And that's like my judgment because I'm thinking he's like a player, right? <laughs> but, um, but, you know, so like... What do we do? How do we protect ourselves, Carla? Yeah. How do, how do young women protect themselves? Yeah, because obviously
0: there's condoms, but there's mm-hmm. also, uh, what are, what's the technical term? But there's like condoms for women that women use as well.
1: Yes. And birth control is not going to protect you all from Correct. like Correct. STDs, you, like, you need a barrier. You need a barrier. Like, absolutely. So, I mean, so for protection, there's the obvious, you know, we got abstinence. I mean, that's like no fun, but it is a choice, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Um, and then you reference like the condoms, mm-hmm. um, like my patients. I highly encourage them to, you know, women, you know, carry carry your own condoms. You know what? Yeah. Hey, you don't get none of this until we put yeah. this. I feel- or just be so ninja that it's on him before he knows what <laughs> hits
0: him. I feel like women are scared to uh, carry their own condoms because they're scared to for the men to judge them exactly and i'm and how I, do
1: we get away from that how how i honestly it drives me crazy me it too. always has and it always yeah will. and i feel
0: like women just need to be confident in themselves and in their sexuality it's like yes. you know what i'm not doing it and maybe i am sleeping with all these other men but i'm being safe about it exactly and i'm protecting myself you know yes. i feel like we need to get away from the sick st- the stigma that women can't be having sex with a lot of sex and then with multiple partners it's like you know what women have their needs as well I agree and you carrying your own condoms is just protecting yourself Like I agree so I think that's what women are afraid of like having their condoms and being judged by their partners
1: like you're totally right you're yeah. absolutely right yeah
0: so I don't know how I think it's only within themselves they need to be confident with themselves exactly they need to
1: accept it that's like and I think it's like a cultural shift on so many levels mm-hmm. you know um, just just you know, like male-female relationships. But I think also, like culturally, like in the Valley, right, you know, where I think, and I, and like, and just for disclosure, I'm Anglo. I'm not Mexican, but I've married into a very traditional Mexican family. Uh, how was that? Yeah. How is that? Yeah. <laughs> because I have one question. Mm-hmm. Okay.
0: So this is your field of work. And how, what was it like growing up? Was this something that you were constantly talking about? Or did you just find yourself working yeah, in this?
1: I think growing up, oh, how can I say? So I I like, I grew up hard, girl. I grew up in the projects, in a little town called Dover, New Hampshire. Mm-hmm. And I grew up hard, but I always had this confidence. And I don't know where it came from, from mm-hmm. God above. He blessed me with that. And I always, you know, I always had this confidence and, and I always was aware of my sexuality. Mm-hmm. I always um, was always like in a fierce, self-protective mode. Mm-hmm. I remember being in high school, you know, getting ready to graduate, I was the only virgin left in our little group and I was like, Okay, I'm 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 not gonna graduate from high school being a virgin. Oh wow, okay. And if if Dr. Tay's listening, I'm so sorry <laughs> that I'm sharing this. <laughs> you know, but I think this is like a good point. So I went to Planned Parenthood, I got on birth control and I was you know, took my pills for like the, the three months and I'm like, Okay, okay, you know, so But I have to share with you, me being a virgin and being with a virgin, I highly recommend, is not the way to go. (laughs) So I always had this self-protective mode. And I think this was a very different time. I mean, we're talking, this was like 1979, girl. That was like going into 1980. That was a long time ago. (laughs) We didn't have the worries that we have now. Mm -hmm. Uh, We do not have the worries. I remember when HIV, when it first hit. I was in Germany in the military, and this was probably 1982. Whoa, you were in the military? Uh, yeah. <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. I feel whoa. like I've
0: known you for so long, and I didn't know that part of it. <laughs> so, true story,
1: 17 years old. I graduated from high school. I made a joke about joining the Army, and they gave me so much crap about it, I did it. <laughs> oh, my God. I know. What was that like? Um, again... I don't know. I think I'm so overtly optimistic, which really can be a fault sometimes. But I, I never, I never see barriers. Mm-hmm. I always see as okay an opportunity to redefine, go over, go under, go around. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm just like that. And I think being in the military, it was the same thing. Basic training was super tough, super tough. <laughs> and I remember. Um, I was in the, in the barracks, just imagine like this, like almost, almost like a cargo container with windows Mm -hmm. and you have these like metal bunk beds, you know, like 20 on each side. And then in between you have like these big, tall metal, um, you know kind of like a little closet type thing so I had both doors open and these like two black girls like they jumped me and they started like wailing on me oh, yeah. and I was, I was getting my, I was getting my butt kicked <laughs> so all of a sudden I just I'm it, laughing now but it no, wasn't funny no, then no, no. <laughs> but then I see one of the girls like her head whips around like somebody just grabbed her and and grabbed her and started like wailing uh-huh. on her and it was the TCIski from El Paso my BFF. And it was, and her and I were just so tight after that, yeah. you know? And so that was like my sense of family in the military. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if it was that one instance or just, I always felt like so welcomed. I never felt judged. I always felt accepted mm-hmm. by like the, the Latinos. So as I went through the military, that was always like my social circle. mm mm-hmm. And the military girl, it was amazing. I mean, you had Puerto Ricans and Colombians yeah. from Cuba. I mean, Mexican from Mexico, you know, Mexican from California. So how did you meet your husband? So we were in the same social circle. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so true story, we're in the same social circle. And I was like... Mm, he's hot was this here in so, texas or was this back in New York? yeah so actually so this was in the military this was in Nuremberg, germany oh wow so we're in this yeah i know i didn't even know this I either know. <laughs> so we're in the same social circle and so i was trying to i was putting the feelers out i was trying to pursue him but he was rejecting me he was wow. shutting me down <laughs> shutting me down so I just finally gave up. Uh-huh. So we're still in the same social circle. So eventually, after after like some months, mm-hmm. you know, our, our relationship did evolve. And then, um, and I asked him, why? Why? Yeah. And you know what he said to me? Hmm. He's like, because you're white.
0: Oh my gosh! I was like, i was I'm like, mama. this has to be like. But but oh. you
1: have to understand. Yeah. Okay, like I'm 56 years old. Mm-hmm. My husband is 60 years old. Mm-hmm. Okay, what that time was like here in the valley for him growing up. Yeah. Right? He tells me stories. He went to like a little a little school over here in West mm-hmm. You know what? The Mexican kids, they were in a portable. They the the dirt was hard packed. They had one little merry-go-round, no shade. The white kids, they were in a brick building with air conditioning. They had swings and grass mm-hmm. and, and trees. Um, he told me this story about one time he got sent to the principal office. Imagine that. Mm-hmm. And he walked by the, the where the white kids were, and the door opened, and this cold hit him in the face. And he was like, oh, my God, they have those kids in a refrigerator. He, Who can I tell? How can I get these kids' help? <laughs> that makes me still want to cry to yeah. this day. But that's the reality, Carla. That's the reality, and you know what? And with, you know, me just being Anglo on the outside, looking in, and just seeing how things have evolved for us. Um, I say like us, but me. You know in a relationship being married and just seeing i know you hear that so, i know you hear so all the amb- unacceptable so we're, we're having a meaningful conversation i we know. have this background and noise, it's like right but, next door it's right next door <laughs> do i have to go out there and do cpr oh my yeah gosh. but so so and see how all of this it's it's this it's this ball of wax that everything everything you know so so just like real quick, so I'm trying to think what year it was. My oldest son was four, mm-hmm. so it was nineteen eighty eight. We're in Laurel, Maryland. We wanna take a little break and go and see the family in Texas. They're migrant workers in Ohio, so we drive from Maryland over to Ohio, and I was, like, so excited because I picked blueberries, Mm -hmm. and I did awesome for the first day. (laughs) Um, The second day, I did a half a day, and the third day, I was like, you know what? They don't pay people enough money to do this shit. Yeah. I'm serious. So then— so. Things ended and we all drove together like down to Texas. We stopped in a little town, Nacogdoches, mm-hmm. Nacogdoches, Texas. It was like, I don't know, it was dark already, maybe 7, 730. We walked into Pizza Hut. Mm-hmm. Okay. Girl, the, the hair still stands up on the back of my neck. Because yeah. you know what? We talk about, we talk about lynchings. We talk about all of those things. And I felt it. Yeah. I consider myself very tough. Uh-huh. but you know what we got our pizza and we left yeah
0: and i i think it's sorry i'm like too far from the mic i think it's crazy because i feel like the farther you go in texas it's more it's like more racism and everything and right here i feel like we're in a little bubble like the valley's yeah. in a little bubble and i don't think a lot of us have experienced those kinds of things but maybe yeah and i know he was here in westaco but i think now in our time oh, now yeah oh i
1: agree like because i think things have
0: changed but even five years ago yeah. when i was in high school we went to a powerlifting meet and we got off. Our head, our coach was, was, uh, Anglo, I guess. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And the rest of us were all Latinos. And I remember everybody else, like we were the only Latinos in the, in the, in Whataburger. I think it was Whataburger. Yeah. And some, they made like a comment. They're like, Oh, where are y'all taking them to the field? And we were just like, Oh wow. And he
1: like joked about it because I guess I
0: don't know, he was just kind of a jerk
1: our coach. Like and <clears throat> and, and do or we do we want to give him a little bit of credit where he felt so awkward and comfortable he didn't know how to respond. Yeah, maybe. You know? Um and that that's I the mean, reality. And we all oh. joked about it. It wasn't it wasn't
0: something so uh, troubling cuz I guess it was kind of like we were uncomfortable about it too cuz it's like how do you react to something like that?
1: I agree. You know. Like what do you say? Yeah. Like what and you know, and in, in in my world and I and I know we're totally getting off the I topic, know I was like oh, we what? totally left the So topic. sorry <laughs> And then but I'll just kind of like share like how I grew up, you know, very, very white. Mm-hmm. Everybody was the same. We had one Mexican kid and one black kid. And you know what? It was very cool to be their friends. Mm-hmm. So I had this one Mexican friend and so I had a stereotype of what a Mexican looked like. So mm-hmm. when I met my husband, yeah, you know, and, and where I grew up also, there was, like, a large Greek community, mm-hmm. and my husband looks very Greek. Yeah. You know, so I asked him, are you Greek? He's like, yeah, I'm Greek. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know what, Carla? I just want to say, like, in my world, um, when I see people, like, I'll see, oh, oh, there, there's, like, a black guy, but it's kind of like the same. Oh, she has red hair. Oh, he has freckles. Mm-hmm. You know, I just... I just like wish like in my world, you know, what does it take to get past that? Yeah. How how do we get past that? Uh, yeah, I feel like if we knew that answer, everything oh, Lord, would be a lot girl, better. I know. Yeah. So <laughs> we're gonna go back to the top before we get that, into that, like, back to back to vaginal discharge. <laughs> Sorry, girls. No, no, guys. no. So
0: you you said something along the lines of, um, a vir- like having a, your first time with another virgin is not yes, ideal
1: because again, it's all about you know being with someone experienced or being aware of the anatomy mm-hmm. of, of 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 the female. Um, how to stimulate the anatomy, how to make it a pleasurable experience. And no amount of research is going to help you. (laughs) Or Um, could it? Well, I mean, you can like read about it. You can be like, okay, this is a clitoris. That's a labia minora. But but then when you're kind of like looking at it and everything's all fleshy, kind of all blended (laughs) in together, it doesn't look like the picture in the book. and, And not all vaginas look the same. Or not,
0: it's not vaginas. What is it? It's a...
1: There's a a certain word for Kind of like the, perineum. So when we yeah. talk about the perineum, kind of like that whole area between your yeah. legs from, from everybody's from, is different. Uh, yeah, yeah. So even the picture won't even look like yeah. what you're looking our noses at. are different, our ears are different, yeah. our eyes are different, and the vagina is the same yeah. thing. So
0: I heard that there's um, a surgery. It's not it's like becoming a little bit more common where women are having surgery to shorten their labia menorah which yeah. is their their
1: outer lips right yeah and then so or the inner one yeah so Okay, so the labia minora, the little lips on the mm-hmm. inside, we really don't want to mess with those like too much. Because it can desensitize it. Exactly. So yeah. we have the labia majora, ma- majora the big lips on mm-hmm. the outside. And then some women, and anatomy is different. You know, there's some, they've got like the cutest little labias, you know, and so and I'm sure they, they, they <laughs> love that. And then there's some women where it's just like, okay, we've got one breast bigger than the other, one yeah. foot bigger than the other. Well, guess what? Maybe one labia is bigger than mm-hmm. the other labia, and they don't like that. And so they want to have it surgically surgically corrected so it looks pretty, Mm -hmm. like, to them or to their partner. And so um, some women actually, you know, they they say they have to have it because for whatever reason their labias are very large and it does, like, cause discomfort, Mm -hmm. you know, like, with certain activities or you know, wearing certain pieces of clothing, mm-hmm. you know? So they they, they they do have surgeries for that. The majority of insurances like won't pay for it. Yeah, because that's more of like a cosmetic. Cosmetic, cosmetic. So you know what my thing is? You know what? Leave the labias alone. <laughs> you know what? Because it's going to hurt bad, number one, when you have the surgery. And number two, like you really, I mean, you're, you're really messing with your your sensation yeah. and your arousal.
0: Yeah. And I feel like it's already difficult for us to uh, reach orgasm. And now if you mess yes. with it, it's just going to have like a harder time. Or we might yes. not even have it at all.
1: Absolutely. Okay.
0: So, um. HIV has been rising here in the valley yes, it has. so what are some symptoms I mean I know it's really I
1: symptoms aren't know. very don't come out on a lot of STDs STIs but and I'm gonna I'm gonna just say what I tell my patients and to the experts out there if you should hear me I apologize for if I am not spot on you know. know please call Miss Carla let her know <laughs> but this is what I tell my patients you know, unprotected intercourse, like you have a chance of getting HIV and if you get it, what is that gonna be like? You know, so uh maybe like about a week to ten days out, you're gonna be like, Oh my god, I've got the flu, I've got the worst flu ever, you're gonna feel achy, you're gonna feel fatigued, your lymph nodes are swollen. Um, the lymph nodes in the groins are swollen, can be swollen. I mean, you just, and then you the get you will you will yeah, notice some difference, yeah, yeah. And then you're gonna get over quote unquote the flu, right? Mm-hmm. And then so we know that there's like this window where, so say you had unprotected intercourse, you have these flu-like symptoms, you're like, holy crap, I've got I've got HIV, mm-hmm. right? But they draw your blood, and it's going to be negative, okay. okay? Because the virus has to have time to build in your blood so it can be detected and that can take as long as six months oh yeah it can take as long as six months right okay so and then so once
0: like there's nothing to prevent it once you've already been exposed to it
1: and then so actually so say for instance um like there, there are you know, you so okay. So let me back up. Let me let me use an example of you're a healthcare provider and you get stuck with a needle, mm-hmm. and so it can be you get stuck with a needle or you have unprotected intercourse, right? You have like an exposure, mm-hmm. right, where you you're concerned about HIV. Um, you can actually like go to your doctor and you can get like a, a different medications. You know, different types of antibiotic to, you know, in the event of you know gonorrhea, chlamydia, syphilis. You can get those antibiotics. Mm-hmm. You can get started on it. An antiviral medication like already right mm-hmm. you can you can get started on that um so again you know i am not like 110 mm-hmm. like well versed on that but like say for an instance like in a in a like a rape or whatever yeah you know that's something that potentially that they would do and like people like to tell you the truth people people that have the money they go down to wherever they go vacation down in Mexico mm-hmm. and they have, like, a good time. Heck yeah, girl, they come back and they take all that medicine. You bet they do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's so dang. That's, like, I mean,
0: I, like, I think it's crazy, like, and for the people that don't have enough money to do these things, what other options do we have other than just being exposed to it and wait those six months to even find out if we are positive. Yeah.
1: Well, and again, you know what? We have the Valley AIDS Council, which has recently yeah. been renamed the Westbrook Clinic. And okay. I love that, you know, just taking away, because Valley AIDS, they are some like amazing, passionate people doing wonderful, beautiful work. And they are frontline. I mean, we're talking, like, they're, like, like like they're like number two in the nation for the work and research that they're doing. Yeah. I mean, it is, like, amazing. Yeah, they're very passionate about it. Yes. Work. So they have, like, renamed, and correct me, I think it's, like, uh, Westbrook East and Westbrook West. I think that's great, though, because a lot of people yes. would be, like, well,
0: it's only for AIDS, like, because it was the but Valley AIDS. No. It, it was, like, a big spectrum of different yes. things.
1: Yes. Any, any sexually transmitted infection, mm-hmm. male or female, like, Absolutely. So they are there. They are, like, a tremendous, tremendous resource. Mm-hmm. They, have, they have a gen- – <clears throat> sorry. No, they, right. they, have, they have, like, a funding stream, and, you know, so they have, like, monies available, mm-hmm. you know, for that type of care, for that type of, like, education.
0: Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, so how often should one get checked for STDs,
1: STIs? Great question. So if you're a sexually active, mm-hmm. um, and we'll just talk about women, right? Yeah. So if you're a sexually active woman, you should get checked every year, right? Every year mm-hmm. you should get checked. So that's a recommendation prior to the age of 35, you get checked every year. Um, say, for instance, like you're suspicious that your boyfriend's stepping out on you, mm-hmm. you want to get checked. Um, you start having symptoms that are different for you, you want to get checked. So some of the symptoms would be... Um, Something as subtle as, okay, I'm bleeding after sex. Mm -hmm. I never bled after sex. I'm having this weird, like, blood, like, spotting in between my period. Oh, I feel weird, like I'm going to get a urinary tract infection. Oh, this discharge, this, like, yellow discharge, like, where'd that come from, right? Mm -hmm. So maybe you see the discharge, maybe you're spotting after sex, you feel like you're going to get a UTI, I already want to give you a prescription for azithromycin. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, oh my god, I lost my train of thought. Oh, so what
0: if someone it doesn't have one particular partner? Should we get checked after every single partner, or do we wait the year? Yeah, so What's- really,
1: so my my strong, strong, strong recommendation is if you have more than one partner, I mean, just to really use condoms. Mm-hmm. I mean, like absolutely, absolutely. So if you're if you're having we call non-monogamous, you know, um, and, and casual sex, yeah. you know, and there's totally nothing wrong with that. But again, I want to really strongly stress, you know, if you're having casual sex, to use a barrier method, um, number one. But yeah, you need you need to get checked like more frequently. Yeah, like absolutely. <laughs> okay, great.
0: Um, so I have one question that um, that someone asked and yeah. I was going to ask. Yeah. So it says if someone takes an emergency contraceptive one month, and then the next month they try and take it again. How will it affect them? What what uh, what kind yeah. of symptoms or what will? Oh.
1: And then so the biggest thing with the emergency contraceptive, so really it's kind of like the same thing as a birth control pill, but mm-hmm. like a, a much larger dosage. Mm-hmm. And then so we're talking about nausea, vomiting, abdominal cramping. So um so really those are the biggest things. So could it uh, cause us to maybe become like infertile oh, or? That's a great question, girl. Yeah. Because a lot of people think, well, if I take the emergency contraceptive contraceptive or if I'm on birth control, I'm not going to be able to have babies. No, yeah. that is, that is not the case. You know, what's going to make somebody infertile? Hmm. Untreated chlamydia. Okay. Chlamydial infection will make you infertile. Okay. And so going on to the
0: fertility, like, um, when should we start thinking about checking and seeing how, how fertile we are? How-
1: oh, that's a good question. Cause I have patients coming into clinic to ask that, you know, and really when we look at the medical literature, there's really no, you know, there's really like no reason if, so if I have like a 24 year old coming in and and she's like, I just want to make sure I can have I can have babies, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so there there is a blood test that can be done to check the the ovarian reserve, the eggs, mm-hmm. you know. So there is a blood test. Um, whether your insurance will pay for it or not pay for it, right? So really, I think infertility or the thoughts of am I fertile? Am I not fertile? Um, I don't know, kind of like, maybe I'm wrong, but my thought is unless you really actively want to have a baby and you're young, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, you, you, I mean.
0: That's when you should start, like, really looking into
1: it. Yeah, well, I mean, and so, so let me kind of, like, back up a little okay. bit. So say, for instance, someone... You know, like, let me use an example of um, female OBGYNs that I've worked with Mm -hmm. in the past. I mean, they're very dedicated to their career. They're driven. I mean, some people, they'll raise their family simultaneously, but some of them, they'll they'll retrieve and freeze their eggs. Do we have those kinds of resources here in the Valley? We do have those resources available here in the Valley. Oh, wow. Um, So we do have those available, and there's two. So the first is going to be SMART IVF. And they are on McCall. So kind of Nalana, McCall, like you're going towards DHR. Okay. Uh-huh. You're going to see him on the right-hand side. And then Dr. Brown, forgive me, Dr. Brown, I do uh-huh. not re- remember the name of his, his clinic, but he's been here in the Valley for a very, very long time. And he has a very highly skilled, highly trained embryologist. Okay. I know. Hey, wow. It's- so, so he specializes in... Um, and getting the egg and the sperm together mm-hmm. and growing the embryo, right? Yeah.
0: So is there any, What's I guess, like any way we can kind of see if we're fertile? Like, is there anything that could cause us something that we can start doing to prevent infertility? Or is it just genetics, um, yeah. STDs? Life? And
1: so really, to, so again, kind of like safe sex, mm-hmm. you know, and I would say like like lifestyle modification, healthy lifestyle, yeah you know, and, and, and there you go. Okay. I have one quick question. Yeah. Okay. So uh,
0: because of my blog, uh, I'm drinking very often. Could that maybe cause uh, infertility? Could that maybe and then me? So
1: drinking, uh, drinking excessive alcohol cannot, um, uh, you know, isn't linked to infertility, <laughs> but drinking excessive alcohol is linked to breast cancer. Oh yes we. so remember we talked about for every eight women we know one will have breast cancer mm-hmm. sometime in her life right and and but then there can be that genetic link so now maybe she's like one in every four but then we have lifestyle so we'd look at weight we look at diet we look at alcohol those can increase our risks for for breast cancer so now maybe instead of one in eight you can mm-hmm. be one in six. So, and the other thing with the alcohol, we know it's going to be the hit to the liver, right? The hit yeah. to the liver. Wow. Uh, now I'm like, dang. Uh, dang. So let's, let's, so let's define, you know, what, what, what's like normal alcohol intake? Yeah. Like, what is that? I don't, I don't know. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> so the, so the main thing is, is, um, and forgive me, I don't have the literature in front of me, yeah. but I really, I, and I try to like do this for myself because, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes I mean, I mean i can stress drink you know <laughs> and i'm just glad that my stomach gets a little upset before i kind of get to the point where i'm like <laughs> right yeah so really like like three drinks in one sitting right that's, three drinks is that normal mm-hmm. or that's so what that, you that do? so that's kind of like our you know that that would be like considered normal drinking okay so like three drinks like every every like night maybe two or three times a night right um but then you have those people that, oh, I just drink. I just drink, like, once a month. Or mm-hmm. I just drink, like, every other Friday. Or I just drink, like, on Friday when I get paid. But, but how much? Thank you. That's called binge drinking. Yeah. You know, and you can, like, take a hit with that, too. So really, like, with that, you're looking at overall health and wellness. You know, excessive alcohol intake. You're increasing, like, your risks for a certain type of, can- of cancers. And the job of the liver is to is to think of it kind of like when we make spaghetti and it's Mm -hmm. boiling in the water and then we dump it in the colander and the spaghetti stays there and the water goes away. Mm -hmm. Like our liver filters all the toxins out. So if it's working over time, right, filtering out toxins, then it, you know, over time, right, it's like, okay, like you're, you're in your 20s, you're having a good time, you know. I mean, we're talking somebody that is like chronic over years. Yeah. Right, but still... Still. Yeah. Just, just when yeah, I... Yeah, watch, like, how
0: much. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, Last question. Mm-hmm. So I have a coworker who had cysts in her ovaries. She had surgery. She had to go through all of that. Oh. Um, Are they dangerous?
1: Could they be dangerous? I love that. Ooh, <laughs> I love that. I love that. So we have to think about... Okay, so we got our ovaries. So think of ovaries like the size of almonds, right? And then Are they really that small? yeah, so they're that small, they're pretty small. Well they can be a little bit bigger, but just kind of theoretically, right? Yeah. Okay. And then so think of cyst like a pimple on the face. Mm-hmm. Right? We get a pimple, it gets irritated, it gets big, it gets big, and then it pops and it goes away. Very innocent, very benign, mm-hmm. right? We call it a functional cyst, a simple cyst. Mm-hmm. Very, very normal. However, sometimes those cysts don't pop. Yeah, And they can get big. They can get to be like 10 centimeters. I mean, they can get to be like five inches. So you get this five inch cyst sitting on that little almond ovary. Mm -hmm. And then it's connected by the the fallopian tube Mm -hmm. from the ovary to the uterus. It can make that tube like twist on itself. And that's called, like, an ovarian torsion, and that can be a very painful, like, medical emergency. So in those instances, then you have to have, like, your cyst, like, surgically removed. And that, once it's already that big, that's when you start to, like, notice that, like, you're get you're experiencing
0: some pain. Yeah. Like, um, the reason she went to the hospital was because she was experiencing pain.
1: Exactly. And so mm-hmm. it was already
0: a, a big cyst. Mm-hmm. So, How do, I guess, how can we prevent them maybe before they get so big or is it something?
1: And then, so again, being in tune with your body, Mm -hmm. you know, so kind of like when I say I do like a well woman exam on a 22 year old and she's complaining of pelvic pain, you know, I mean, she may describe it as something like very vague and she, you know, it's vague to her. She may not describe it as you know, something that happens all the time or, and, but we have that complaint of pelvic pain. So I'm going to order a pelvic ultrasound Mm -hmm. on her and we'll be able to visualize it with ultrasound. Mm -hmm. Right. And then, so say, say for instance, she's got, you know, like a small cyst, she's got like a one CM by two CM cyst. I'm going to start her on the birth control pill for Mm -hmm. like about three to six months. And then we'll come back and, and we'll do another ultrasound and check on that cyst. Okay. So now when a cyst pops, it does hurt It does hurt, oh. yes Oh my god yeah. like,
0: And it feels like Can you, I don't even know how to even act I like, know and I've never, I've never
1: felt that I just, I've just. i heard them describe it as um, Sometimes they'll say It's like dull and achy Or sometimes it can be very sharp right? okay. Uh-huh.
0: Yeah. Okay. Well,
1: okay So the main thing The main takeaway about cysts Is that they're innocent and benign Okay, mo- most of yeah, them, the, the same functional same. simple sis.
0: Okay, so Jerry, we are running out of time. My am is no, say it's not true. <laughs> but thank you for coming on. Is there uh, anything that you would like to promote or talk about? I know you're doing the uh, breast cancer awareness.
1: Yes. Um, how can I just, to like everybody out there that is going to listen to this, love yourself. <laughs> you know, just... Like, love yourself, and everything stems from there. Yeah. And it's hard, because that's a lesson that we're always learning. Mm, yeah. Right? How to do that.
0: Yeah. Okay.
1: Thank you, Jerry, for Thank coming you. on. Thank okay. Thank you so much. Okay,
0: so guys, I will leave any information that Jerry went ahead and told us about, and you already know my social media will be in the description, so I will talk to you guys next week. Bye.